With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Hoop Du Jour with me, Peter Vesey, presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. So here I am again, Hoop Du Jour. Hoop Du Jour with Spencer Haywood, who, uh, who when he was a Nick, he once chased me down from one locker room in the hallway <laughs> to the other locker room, and I disappeared. I told him, I said, "All you're going to see is ass and elbows because yeah, I'm, elbow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you catch me." You catch me, yeah. What was that all about? Was, well, was I hard on you? You were hard on me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Pete. Come on, you know, you know Spencer. That was, but it was, uh, it was part of the journey, you know. And you were doing your job, but you know, I was just upset and then i saw you i'm shocked you do this this interview with me truthfully I no, mean, no, we no. Had, i'm good no i know you're good and, and we've been good for a while but yeah. i was tough on you and yeah but that's part of the growth and part of part of being human and i remember another time i was okay. going to get you was we were going into the uh we were <laughs> we were going into this restaurant uh, what's the name of alan's alan's <laughs> And Iman said, like, like, my I, wife the like I don't remember. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Iman said, you can't do that. He's press. I said, but he's Pete Bessie. I can get him. <laughs> I can get him. And he's not, <laughs> and there's nobody around to nobody help Nobody around. Uh, yeah. So that was our, that was our hangout in those yeah. days yes. uh, for both of us. Because yes. I knew the owner mm -hmm. and I knew the son. I used to hang out with the son. I was, yeah. I was engaged to my wife at that time. Okay. My, engaged to woman I married yeah. and you had Iman and I couldn't take my eyes off Iman <laughs> and my ex was pissed off you know okay. she, she's now my ex you know Part of New York you know how we were in New York no exactly did you ever go over to Leviticus or any of those clubs no I I, no. I wasn't a club guy except Studio 54 well you know we don't want to talk too much about well, Studio we, yeah, 54 well we do so I, yeah so I, I was so I, I was there I, I know yeah. what was happening yes and uh you know, I, I had my bachelor party at Studio 54. Okay. Julius, Julius Irving threw yeah. it for me. Oh, wow. And I, and I remember calling up my wife-to-be, mm -hmm. and uh, I was crying. I was like, I, I was like 30, I was 30-something at the time. Yeah. It was my second second marriage, and I was crying. I was like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. <laughs> she, said, she said, all right, so, so what's the problem? I said, you know, I'm, I'm here at Studio 54, and I yeah. said, I must have lost it. Because even the guys are not asking me to dance. Because <laughs> you know they would. Yes. So I said, this I, is Studio Fifty Four stuff. I mean, for yeah, you know, yeah. young so, people. <laughs> so they, yeah. So now yeah. I think, I think, what the hell happened to me? You know, yeah. like, yeah. damn. Anyway, there, there was a lot happening. There's there. a lot happening. A lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff happened there, but it's also some bad stuff. But is that, yeah. is that where your, your uh, startup with drugs? began no in that environment that it was of, that environment but I, I, my my drug up until when i got with the lakers was i loved to smoke marijuana 
So that was my calm. So you'd be legal today. Yeah, yeah, I'll be legal today. But I mean, I did a little blow, but I mean, it just wasn't a little blow mean a little coke. Yeah, you so, don't have to explain to those people. Okay. They don't get it, they don't get it. They don't get it, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but it was not like my thing. But when I got with the Lakers, it's when I went to one of those Hollywood parties and everybody in there was doing this new thing. And the new thing with that time free in base. 1980 was freebase. So, I mean, not knowing that I'm from a long line of addictive people in my family. Is that right? Yeah, so I hit that pipe and I watched my life, my marriage, my career just melt down to nothing. But Iman stayed with me and stayed supportive and was with me through. Uh, she took me to my, and my first, <laughs> the first time I ever went to a psychiatrist, you know? So I'm in there and, and, and I'm trying to figure out Where's, uh, did you see a psychiatrist in Africa? <laughs> so I was blaming her, you know, like, and so when I got inside, we started talking about my family. And he says, well, you know, has anybody in your family had problems? This is after, after the Lakers and after my career finished. I said, well, yeah, my grandfather was, was drunk. My grandmother was drunk. My mother didn't touch anything, but I've also lost, at that time, I hadn't lost uh, two of my brothers, but I... You had nine brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I've lost uh, four of my brothers and sisters to alcoholism. And and we were still in denial, like, you know, uh, they died of an enlarged heart or gout or whatever. But then I started seeing what I what I needed to do about my life. And and then I started getting addicted to going to the psychologist and the psychiatrist. Well, I, so. I, I, I always believe we all have one addiction or another. Oh, and, yeah. And if, it, and if you give up, if, you, if one is cured, yes. you might really go to another one. And it might be positive, but it's, it's true. It's the positive No, journey. but it's true. Yeah, I've and I did that. that and Pete, and I also, I, I spent a lot of time in AA meetings. For some reason, I'm always listening to people talk about how it was and how, how they fell. So, you know, so you, you get a chance to say, you know, I wasn't so bad. Listen, look at his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then you say, well, I know I will never go back to that journey. So that's been my life. And from that experience, my young daughter, Shakira, she used to go to my, uh, with my psychiatrist when I switched over to a female, she would go with me and she would sit in the lobby. And so when she, as she was growing up, and I'm trying to figure out what. How old is she? She's 32. No, at then, at that, that, that uh, No, she was eight. Eight going with you and staying out in the lobby. Staying. Did she know what you were doing in there? Yes, yeah, she knew. She knew. And okay. she was like, you know, talk to the doctor. And she was like, yeah, okay. this is, I think I want to be one like you because I want to help people like my dad. Oh, and so oh. she went through high school and then she went through college and then she says, well, I want to go to medical school and, and I want to like get better. And so she ended up being a psychiatrist. And so she's so good that the NBA Players Association said, well, come on, work with us too. 
So she have a private private practice in New York, and she's working with the NBA players. Well, God bless. I mean, it, it's amazing how, <laughs> yeah, something good, something, something so good. good come out of something, something so bad. Because, I, I mean, I got into bad shape. And, and the one guy that I used to sit when I was playing with the Lakers, and he had a row, he had a seat on the on the side. I and his brother, Al Ross and Leonard. Leonard so, Amato. Yeah. So I would always say, "Fuck Al, help me out." <laughs> but I had been not so good with Al, yeah. and I had he was not my agent anymore. But and Kareem would always say, "Can't you go talk to your guy Al?" And I was like, "Man." How do I go to Al after, you know, we had such a falling out and... And we'll get into that. We'll, yeah, we'll get into but that. I people was just saying... Know, people don't know who Al Ross is yeah, at but this he, point. People but, deep need to know who he is. But yeah, go no, ahead, exactly. do your thing. No, no, no. So, so I'm interested in that. Mm -hmm. So, so um, yeah, so so Kareem is telling you to, to go and, uh, and... Yeah, because they the team did not know. They knew what I had, what I was doing because I was like... I mean, I would come in and we watching film, and you know, denial is a real deep one. So, mm -hmm. and for people in recovery, they always say it's not a river in Egypt. So I understand that, but I would look. We were looking at the film. <laughs> we're looking at the film, and and Pat was always orchestrating the film session, and I would like say, "Man, Magic put so much spin on my ball." You see, I can't catch it. It's Magic's fault. So <laughs> he, says, the, well, he was the assistant coach then? Yes. Okay. So I would, it was, then we would like to say, well, Spence, you're not rebounding like you used to. I said, hey, it's not me. It's Kareem. The shot, the sky hook is coming off on the other side. I'm going on this side. So, so everybody was like sitting in the meetings like, oh, Spence. You're did so you nuts. know? Did you know that you were doing what you were doing, or, or I? I knew my whole basketball. My hands had gone. I was staying up late. I couldn't run as well as I used to. All of the things was just falling apart. But I was in such deep denial that I was like, "Hey, it's somebody else's problem. It ain't mine." Yeah, yeah. So. That's the disease, though, Pete. You know, you know I, and but it is also human. It's like human yeah. frailties. And right. It's also my life was like um, I, I had so much trauma in my case, the case that I went to the Supreme Court with Hayward versus the NBA. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of trauma that was buried down there. What, what do you mean trauma? Like because anxiety? Is that it? Is it? Well, no, because I was being treated so differently. When I decided to fight this case for players to come in early and for me to come into the NBA early, uh, I mean, my first injunction was, you know, you got a 10-day, 10-game injunction. I sat in Seattle and I spent a lot of time with Rick Welsh. Uh, Welsh. Yeah, he was the PR guy. No, no, he was the ball boy. He was the ball boy then. Okay. okay. He became the PR <laughs> yeah, guy. Became the PR and guy. Then he became he Big Honcho. Big Honcho with the NBA. With the NBA. Hall of Fame. Yes. <laughs> the and, Warriors. <laughs> and he's the Warriors. 
No worries. Yeah, he was my ball boy because listen, and his sister was Nancy. Yes, and she became PR girl. Yeah, I'm into Seattle. Seattle. So, so listen, when I got to Seattle and signed the contract, I'm looking for guys on the bench. You know, like where's the suits? You know, like suits you have on. Mm -hmm. It was Lenny Wilkins. He was a player coach. Mm -hmm. Rod Thorne was the assistant coach. Coach. He was a player coach. Mm -hmm. Tom Macheri was the associate coach, and he was the player. And so I was there like, wow, these old guys. <laughs> they hang on forever. These guys. No, no, never did they oh. didn't hang on, but it was just the idea that they were old, and I was 20. 20. So, and Rick was uh, 16. So we hung out. <laughs> yeah, we're Rick. Isn't yeah. that something? Ain't that something? So, and then when I have an injunction, and I would have to stay in. Seattle, because I couldn't travel with the team or anything, and then I would get an injunction to play, and then when I got on the floor, they would throw things and yell, you know, go back to college, what are you doing, you're messing up everything, and then you had the the old heads who were the NBA guys that were current, Wilt Chamberlain, all those guys, they didn't accept me into the union because I hadn't won my case. Right. So. I went through all of that process, and when I got to Chicago, we were playing the Chicago Bulls. Chet Walker sued me, and the Bulls sued me for $600,000 in 1970 because Chet Walker was on the end warming up, and he said he hurt his ankle. And so they said, Spencer Haywood, is, is this distraction? Oh my gosh. So they sued me for that one. And then when I got to Cincinnati, oh they threw me out into the snow and said, you know, this injunction read that you must be out off the grounds in which this arena sat on. So they put me so out. So you just made the up snow. rules as they went along. Yeah, yeah. Because there was a battle, you know? Yeah. And the NBA was trying to protect their farm system, which was the NC2A. Sure. And so the NC2A was feeding the NBA uh, a lot of crap and saying that if he wins this case, we are out of business because our guys won't stay in college and it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to some degree, they were correct. <laughs> to some degree. Guys, guys didn't even go. They didn't, didn't even go. I know, I know. Going. I so, so many of them. Yeah. Um, but it leveled off, you know. But I had that problem and then... Growing up in Silver City, Mississippi, where there was so much racism, so much hate, and so much anger. And I lived in a Klan city, a Klan town. And so we went through so much stuff as kids, trauma. And, really? I mean, they, yeah. they'd harass you? They would... No, they would hang you, kill they you, would hang do whatever. You. They you would hang you. Because you was in Silver City, Mississippi. And that's in the delta of Mississippi. And that's not like a place that you want to be. But that's where we were, and we picked cotton from sun up to sundown. Uh, it was hard work, but you only could make two dollars a day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've wondered for many years, like, so you're from that small town, mm -hmm. and you've got nine brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. and you've got no money, and you got nothing. How in the world did you learn how to play basketball? Where did you learn that? You didn't have a court. We didn't have a court. You didn't have anything. <laughs> didn't have anything. So how did you learn that? How do I learn to play basketball was my first basketball was a ball that my mother made for the boys to play with. 
It didn't bounce. It was made out of a crocus sack. Sure. And you stuff it with, you know, towels, whatever you have. And then you say, bop, bop. And you make the pass or the shot. Shot to where? We shot it in a barrel. You right? had a barrel. Yeah. Bop, bop. Bop, bop. Into the barrel. All right. And you never to miss. Or? Or it was to stick on the side. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go up and knock it off. So, and, but listen. We would always do two bops, but my brother Andrew was a cheat, so he would always do three. So he did. He brought in the Euro step. <laughs> <laughs> he brought in the Louisiana step, <laughs> the Mississippi step. Well, the Mississippi. Yeah. yeah. So he then, and so we we finally got a ball, and we finally got our backboard up, and we got a, 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 a we had a, a rim, just our rim. What age? Uh, I was like twelve when we got the 12, real okay. basketball. And, and a real ball. The real ball. Voight. Voight. The Voight. 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 Yeah. Voight basketball. I used to say null and Voight. Null and Voight. Null and and it had a patch on it, Pete, because it was a used ball. Of course. Yeah. yeah so. But it bounced? Yeah, it, it bounced. bounced. Yeah. yeah. So it I, had a little knot on it, so don't okay. worry about the, the, the bounce this way or that. Yeah. But you were good. And so we played in our yard, and then I went off to... Uh, because there you have like the grades are like from first until seventh or eighth grade, you would stay in the same Dust Bowl school. It's like a single. In your town, you had to go to another town? No, it was in my town, but town? it was like okay. three miles away, <laughs> which is no big deal because you walked everything or had a mule and you, you were good. But so we played there. And so I finally start hitting my stride because my brothers before me had played and they were good. And so I get to the big game. I'm, I'm 13 and I go to the big game and I'm like, everybody's talking. He's going to be better than his brothers and stuff. So I get into this game at Louise gym and we're playing in, inside of a gym finally. Oh my God. This yeah, is, right. This is some incredible stuff here. Right. We got bleachers, we got fans, we got things going on. Yeah, I know so, that feeling, yeah. So, so it was so exciting. And then we get to the finals and then I'm looking down the court there. I'm like, that's my brother on the other team, Andrew. He came back from high school to keep me down. <laughs> And the team said, we are forfeit, but we, we want to see the two boys play. We want to say, yeah, see what happens. Yeah. How, how much older was he, too? He was two no, years. he was two years old. Two years old. Yeah, so he, he... How big was he? He was 6'3 at the time. Okay. And he tore my butt up. And I, But I protested the game, and I was like, hey, he's illegal. <laughs> so they gave me the trophy, but it wasn't like a good trophy. It was like a, you know... That's funny. It's like some, you know, some shit that he didn't like, oh, well, I still beat you, you know? Right. So that was my first time. And then it all hit me. Basketball was like, wow. And then I started playing every day, all day. Whenever we were Where? working in the fields, I played, we had a, we had a court in a, in a yard. Okay, so you go there and play. Yeah, just play. And then we had a gym at the high school and my high school coach at that time, I was in junior high, but he accepted me on the team, and uh, he would pick me up, and we would, I, would, I just loved that gym floor. I loved it. I mean, it was like I found a place for me, because you know, with all the brothers and sisters, you got to fight for food. You got you got to eat your food fast because, you know, like Andrew, like this, I'll take this food. 
Yeah. And I'd be skinny for the rest of my life. Right, right. So, being in prison. <laughs> no, <laughs> the big guy yeah. take your food. Take your food. It was like eating in prison yeah. with Andrew around. <laughs> so, where, where is Andrew today? Andrew's passed on oh, from right. alcoholism. From alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so at, at what point and how did you get to Detroit? How did how did you at what age? 16 is that? Is no, no, no. I was 15 when I when I when I left Mississippi. My mom felt that I was going to be uh, put in parchment prison. You know, Mose Ellison, I'm sitting over here in parchment farm. That's a prison. Why? Because what happened, if you are growing real fast and a big burly guy, they say, the farmer would say to you that, you know, did you look at somebody wrong or you did something wrong? And they put you in jail so that you stay on the farm. It was indentured slavery. Really? So they put me in jail for a night, and my mother said, my baby is not going to go down like this. So we had to raise money, the church and everybody, to get me out of town. So they, I couldn't leave from Silver City on the bus, Greyhound. I had to go to Belzoni, hang out around the store looking, and then get on the bus. And I rode the bus all the way to Chicago to meet up with my brothers in Chicago because when they would come home from Chicago, they had a wad of money and a brand new car. I said, I want to be rich like these guys. Mm. So I get up to Chicago and he says, hey, that car we had was a rental car. And I said, well, what about all the money? Oh, it was fool's money. We had like 20 wrapped around ones and I was like, wow. So I know I have a room here. <laughs> no, you're sleeping on the floor here. <laughs> and so yeah. lo and behold, my brother who had was raised in Detroit because he pulled, pulled a short straw with my pet, with my aunt, and he was raised in Detroit. He had, was an all-stater in Detroit. He had, was at Bowling Green State University. He said to me, pack up all your stuff we're going back to campus with me. He was over visiting the family. Mm -hmm. So I went over to Bowling Green with Howard Comeyes, Nate Thurman, all those guys. Yeah, I know that just, team well. Yeah, so I was just hanging around and really? you were around I was just team. a guy, you know, this little kid hanging around in the door. And they were like, when is he gonna go to school? And so I couldn't go to the Bowling Green High School because I hadn't been integrated. I hadn't, I, I've lived a segregated life. So my brother and Sam Mims and all of those guys put together this, they had an all-star game at Crunk outdoor courts in Detroit. Mm -hmm. They had the high school all-stars, they had the college all-stars, mm -hmm. and they had the pros. So they brought me in and I was showing off for Will Robinson. Hopefully he would like adopt me and raise me, uh, whatever. It's a great name, we'll get back to him. Yeah. So yeah. what happened was, I get out there and I play in the first game with, against George Trapp and all of those guys. And first I knew I had them when they were saying in the locker room, I don't want to wear no Converse. I want Adidas shoes and I want Pro Kids and Puma. And I was like, my Converse has got, I got a hole in the bottom. Yeah. So I haven't like, I'll take the Converse and I put on the shoes and we go out and play 
I had like 27 points, 17 rebounds. You remember this? <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah, because I had to play the next game. So because everybody was saying, oh, he's because he, my brother was running his mouth and other people were like, he's a phenom. You got to watch him. He's, he's the best. Nobody knew about him. And so then they said, well, let him play against Cassie Russell, Bill Bunsen, yeah, and Michigan, Oliver Darden, all team. those guys from Michigan. Yeah. And so I played against those guys on the Michigan really? State team. And I did real well. I had like 17 points and nine rebounds. So they said, he ain't that good. Why don't you let him play against the pros? And Dave Bing said, put him on my team. And I played against Reggie Harden, John Tresvan, uh, John Barnhill, Chico Vaughn, all no those more. guys. All those guys, you no know, more, yeah. and I did real good in that. And that's when Will Robinson said, I'm going to adopt you and you can stay with me. And we're going to try to get you in school and make it work out. So they brought my mother up to sign the adoption papers. He, I didn't know he adopted you. That's my dad. <laughs> you know, I, I saw it written somewhere. I said, they don't know who he is. That's not his dad. That's yeah. his coach. No, it's my dad, too. <laughs> I knew Will very well. Yes, I, I, I know. This is family. This is all of us. This is our family. So, and Will enrolled at Persian. He should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Should be, yeah. So, he enrolled, we enrolled, enrolled me at Persian High School, and I lived with the Bell family, Ida Bell, because they have the joint adoption. And I remember I used to run all the time with Will because he would drive me around. Listen, take me over to Motown and see what's going on over mm -hmm. there, see what's going on. Because I didn't know nothing. I'm a country boy. I'm yeah. like, he was just teaching me, you know, Ella Fitzgerald on the music. I'm like, who is that? Why are we listening to B.B. King? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a blues guy now. Okay. And he's sure. listening to Ella Fitzgerald yeah. and John Coltrane. And I'm like, well, who are those people? Right. You know? And so, he coached He coached Mel Daniels. Mel he Daniels. He coached... Um, Who's the other? Ralph guy? Simpson. Ralph Simpson. I mean, he. Oliver. Uh, he also coached. Uh, Doug Collins. In Doug college, Collins. College. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he. So he was really like he was. I got a quick story. I know you. We only got. No, go ahead. We time. got time. All right. So so. Um, I'm at Isaiah Thomas's uh, Hall of Fame. We're working together at NBC. Yeah. So we're at the Hall of Fame. We're in the first row because. NBC and Isaiah, and I'm with my my wife now, mm -hmm. my ex, you know, and 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 there and there's the, your coach, you know, there yeah. there he is. That's he Will's Will and Isaiah Will, was and like. Will and Will is sitting next to. Him. So my wife gets up to walk away to go someplace, and Will's like, and he's following her, you know. Yeah. I said, Hey, Will, <laughs> what's up? You know, what's up with that? He goes, Hey. He says, I might be 90, but I'm not dead not yet. Dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Said, <laughs> <laughs> Is that him? That's it. Oh, yeah. my God. I was, I was so on the Pete, floor laughing. <laughs> so, Pete, what happened was, you know. Uh, That's the woman who was in Allen's. <laughs> <laughs> back to Allen's. Back, back to Allen's. Yes. Yeah. What street was that on? Third? 34th. 34th. Okay. 34th Street and 2nd second, second second, second second, um, so Will introduced me to the team because I had been practicing with him individually. He said, boys, <laughs> I've been, we've been playing as mules. We got us a goddamn horse here and we're going to ride this son of a bitch all the way to the state championship. He said that. And then, and I was like, 
I'm the horse. Right? Yeah, because I'm a spawn boy. Yeah. I know my mule was like, he was lazy. He didn't, <laughs> <laughs> you have to hit him in the head sometime. You know, Come on, let's go pull the plow. <laughs> but a horse, he's like, he, he's running. That's why we got transportation was through our horse. So yeah. I was like, yeah. And so, you know, the city of Detroit had, had a drought for the Class A state championship for 35 years from the city, mm -hmm. the team. So we broke that city record and and we won this Class A state championship. So Will was just glorious about that old and, journey. And what year were you in then? 1967. No, no, I mean, what year in school you were? That was my senior year. That was your senior year, so you won. Yeah. And then they had this guy, this young professor named Wayne Dyer. You know, the writer that we are on. You know Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. He took me in a, under his arm for years because I had to learn to have my chin up and because I had been beat down so so badly in the South that you couldn't look at nobody in the eye. You had to look at the floor. So I had to get out of that habit. And so I had a lot of a team and, around me. And, and he did that why? Because I just, Will figured, felt that through, I was, through Will, it was through Will. Wayne Dyer was a professor at Iowa Persian High right. School. So Wayne so, said, yeah. I, it's my pupil. I want to take care of him. I will. So he was my guy uh, going through the whole educational process. Will put me in ballet so I would have balance. Uh, put me in swim for endurance. Unbelievable. I was this, this, this. <laughs> they were molding you. They was molding this yeah. person, you know. And so it was just a beautiful journey. And I learned to read, read and write because I didn't learn much in Silver City because we had to close the schools down to harvest the cotton and plant the cotton. So I was lacking in education. So I had to catch up and, and try to get that B average so I could go and with the balance of my earlier years to go to a major university. So and then you went to Trinidad? No, I didn't go to Trinidad at first. Where'd you go first? I went to the University of Tennessee as the first black person there. I never knew that. Man. And so I Wait went there. I know, I went to the what? university, signed with the University of Tennessee because my family was still in Mississippi and they wanted to see me play, but they didn't see me play in Detroit. Right. So I said, well, I, this way I can go to Mississippi State in Mississippi and the University of Mississippi and they can see me play uh -huh. at the Tennessee. And so Mr. Rupp, who had Kentucky. just lost, Kentucky, had just lost two five blacks with Texas Western. So 67 we're talking about. Yeah. He so lost in 66. He lost in 66. Yeah. So he was saying, I sh I'm supposed to have the first black player superstar in this group. <laughs> and so there was a pissing contest. And Will said, let's get the fuck out of here. I'm going to take you someplace where you're really going to love. It's close to Denver close to Albuquerque, so I didn't look at the map. So he said, I go to a junior college. We go one year, maintain a B average, you can come back, and maybe we'll How get How would he know about that place at that time? Because Mel Daniels, oh. he said Mel okay. to Trinidad, and he oh, said I didn't Ira Hodge. Ira Hodge too, right? Yeah. Okay, so okay. He said- And then they both went to New Mexico. New Mexico. So I was talking to Bob King. Bob King says, well, we're going to take you in after the first freshman year. So I went down to Trinidad, which was 420 miles from Albuquerque, 
360 miles from Denver. So all you do is study, <laughs> yeah. play basketball. Yeah. It's the perfect place for me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they said we're putting together a Olympic trial team because we don't want to be, they don't, the Olympic committee don't want to be sued by anybody by being left out. So they had the NIA, they had the NC2A, three or four teams there, mm -hmm. and they took us all into Albuquerque, mm -hmm. and Jerry Tart was my coach. Really? Yeah, so we went into Albuquerque. Now, Pete, all I'm thinking about, man, I'm gonna get me some gear, Olympic trial gear, sure. come back to Detroit and say, hey, <laughs> shit, I tried out. Yeah. And uh, so all of a sudden, when they was picking the team, they says, our guy, the second pick we were going to use, we had JoJo first, and he said, this first, the second pick, they're picking Spencer Haywood. I'm like, oh, because they were cutting. This is who they cut. They cut Pete Maverick from the team. Yeah. They cut Calvin Murphy from the team. Yeah. They cut Rick Mount. Yeah. They, they put, All the top players. They cut, they put Dan Issel as an alternate. Right. I was like, what about me? <laughs> And Hank seen something there, that and uh, he said, this is the horse that we can ride to the gold medal. He used that expression too? Well, no, no? he was okay. just saying, this is the player. All right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 Now, so, I, I was always wondering how, how you made it through, and those guys got cut. <laughs> yes. But I know, you But know, I really was, I really turned it out at the trials. I mean, I was like, I was playing way out of out of body shit, you know. I was really out of my body, just playing. Just it was the biggest thing, and I was playing against all of the best players, and I was trying to show them that, you know, y'all missed out. You should have kept me at Tennessee, mm. and you, I didn't want to go to Kentucky because Mr. Rupp wasn't quite ready for me to be no, there. No, he wasn't. He wasn't ready for me. No. <laughs> so. I, and I was, you know, I felt like slighted, so I was really performing up way above my, my talent. Who, besides Issel, who were the big men that you had to go up against? Well, I had, team? we had Dan Issel, we had Tom Bowinkle, we had, uh, a lot of guys didn't go, you know, Kareem boycotted. Right. And Wes Unsell and Elvin Hayes signed their pro contract, so, so they were so ineligible, because we didn't take pros okay. back then. Okay. And, uh, so we had a lot of big men in the game, but uh, I outshined everybody and I could <laughs> run all day because... And you were 19. Yeah, I turned, I was 18 when you I got 18. there and I turned 19. While you were, at, while you were in <laughs> Albuquerque. Albuquerque, yeah. You, you, you win in a gold medal. First yeah. of all, what was that like? Kai, when was, Kai was coming from a small town in Mississippi. Detroit stopover. And you win a gold medal. And I'm on the podium. And when they put that gold medal on my neck, I flash back to four years ago. I was basically a slave in Mississippi. And now I'm a gold medal. And they were running off my my numbers like he broke the record in scoring. He's got the highest field goal percentage in the history of the Olympics. He's got the most rebounds. He got the most blocked shots in the history. And I'm like, me? 
I don't know what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was out of body, you know? Right. I, and I, so I could I be still, down on the farm right now. Right. And I'm on a, a podium. parchment farm, too. Parchment farm. Yeah, that's I'm the on, prison. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> I never heard of it. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah, so, uh, but I, I just started crying, and Jojo, stand up like a man. Don't don't be crying on the stage. Because, but I was flashing back to my whole family history of like of going through all of, of that course. stuff. Three years ago, I was basically a slave, and now here I am, an American hero. That is, and, and you true. were, and you were, because there was so much, so much, uh, you know, controversy at those Olympics. You know, John Carlos, John Carlos, and, and Tommy, Tommy Smith. Tommy Smith. Uh, yeah, it's like, and then they they were going to take our passports too, if we had just thought about doing anything. Avery Brundage decided, well, you know, I'll take your passport. And you won't get out of Mexico. And Will Robinson flew in from Detroit. Oh, really? And he was by my side, like, you know, you're going to get through all of this. This is the big chance. And when we get back to Detroit, we got something special for you, you know? And and I didn't know what was going on at that point when I won the gold medal and we were just so happy. Then we get to Detroit and Mayor Kavanaugh was there from Detroit and Governor George Romney, the governor of, of Michigan, and they said, well, we want you to come back to the University of Detroit. And the alumni from the University of Detroit said, you know, Will Robinson is going to get the job in your junior year. So I signed. They, pro they promised that. They promised, yeah. So I signed. Not in writing, though. Not in writing, because <laughs> the NC tour, you can't, you can't, Man, of course. do nothing. So I then. Did Vital was the coach. No, no, who was the coach? Bob Callahan. Oh, Callahan he was retiring. He was retiring. So okay, so Will was going to come in I and replace okay. him. I got it. Okay. And, and so, I came to the University of Detroit with the idea that Will Robinson would be the coach. Ralph would come. Uh, Ralph Simpson. Would Ralph Simpson yep. would be on my team. Right. George Gervin, all of the guys in the city, we had kind of round up, Whoa. you know, Whoa. players. Yeah. And we were trying to sneak Rudy out of Michigan. Rudy, Rudy Tom He <laughs> was like, nah, that whole scheme, I don't know how y'all going to do this. Because we were saying we were going to be the UCLA of the ah. Midwest. And uh, it blew up. And so then that's when um, the ABA came calling. They said, you know, we didn't get... I'm going to stop you before you go to ABA. Yeah. So I, I, you and I talked about this once before. Now I don't remember when you were on the Olympic team. You came into the the, the garden, Madison Square Garden. Yes. Okay. So I remember I was there for that. Oh yeah. And and I didn't know who you were. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> okay. So I, and I and you played against the Knicks. I played against Willis and the Knicks. Yeah. And I and I remember you coming down on the break and you dunked over Willis. Willis. And I was like. I was like, who is this guy? I was like the kids in Rucker Park when Julius used to dunk and they'd come running out of the right. stands. Yes. I like got up and started doing a dance. I was like, what <laughs> the hell is this guy? <laughs> you remember that dunk? Yes. Because the floor <laughs> in the garden was like a springy. And we had been playing overseas. We had played in Russia, Yugoslavia, and in Finland. So this was before the Olympics or after? Yeah, this was before, before the Before you went to Mexico. Okay. And so we came back okay. to New York to scrimmage the oh, Knicks. Okay. 
And then we were going into Cincinnati to scrimmage with Oscar, and then we would go into Mexico City. Okay. So that was the whole journey. That was, that was, <sighs> I was I'm like, so glad you remember that. Yeah, you know, I was, I mean, that was, my, the guard? The first time put, I remember. Put the dunk on the Willis. dunk, yeah. It was like, oh, whoa, shit. Who was that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. So go back, go back to Detroit. Now. Yeah. And so you, you, you played one year. Mm-hmm. You had great stats. I was, I was the outstanding college player of the year. Kareem was the, the MVP that year, and I was on the All American team with Pete Maravich and Rick Mount and Calvin Murphy and Kareem. That was the All American first team. Did not year. realize that. Okay. Yeah. And so what happened was the draft came about. The ABA was trying to go after Kareem. They didn't get him, because he went to Milwaukee. So. Yeah, the Nets under marks. The Nets under bid could have had them, and yeah. they they screwed up the bid. They screwed up the bid. Yeah. Okay. So then Mark, Mike Storm. Mike Storm. Mike Storm. Hannah's. Hannah's father. Uh, father. Yes. Said, "Well, let's go after the, the second best player, <clears throat> and but we're going to have to usurp the NBA in their draft. So, what we will do is we sign Haywood." and he do pretty good in the ABA for the first year, then we will be able to get the Julius Urbans, the George Gerbins, and all of those guys who are like, yeah. want to play ball right now. Yeah. So that's when he said- And they had lost Connie Hawkins. They, they lost Connie too. Connie too, went to Phoenix. Went to Phoenix. Yeah, so they needed, they needed somebody like Connie, yeah. which was you. You're right. Yeah. And so they brought me in and said, uh, Ringsby and, uh, and Mike was saying, you know, if you get uh, maybe 10 points a game and maybe seven rebounds, this will work. We would take all the players from the NBA before they get there. And I know what you did. I mean, yeah. I mean what you did there is... Uh, I looked 30 points, 19 rebounds 19 per game. 19.5. 19.5 rebounds. I looked it up. Rookie of the year. Yeah. MVP of the league. Right. MVP of the All-Star game. Right. Leading scorer, leading. Okay, so what I looked up was how many players in NBA history ever did what you did? Wilt, Wilt, and Wes Unso. Oh wow! Only two, so three in the history of professional sports. Wow! I told you something. I didn't know that. Yeah, (laughs) I thought Wilt. I just threw him. Yeah, yeah, no, it was Wilt and Unso. Yeah, how about that? Okay, so so uh, I've been pretty good. Yeah, I'll say. I'll see. So, um, so then, so then, uh, you, you know, you got you hired Al Ross. Yes. And he looked into your contract and found out that so many in those days, that's what they did for everybody. That's what they did for everybody. Yeah. Deferred payments, annuities that you wouldn't get till your fifty. No, I started age fifty to age seventy is when I got the annuity, if if the stock market was still doing great. Because oh, it would only if. put ten thousand dollars into the stock market. It's called it was called a dog off plan. Jeff Dog. Well, that was big in those days. That was a yeah, big was deal. Big. And so Al came in, young, aggressive, you know, out of Michigan State and had a good basketball From Brooklyn. Game. From Brooklyn. We had a good basketball game, you know? Yeah. So me and him could talk. We was like talking basketball yeah. and he, he was swore he could out shoot anybody. He could. <laughs> Hey, that that was my practice partner. Yeah, no, I heard <laughs> you. Yeah, me and him, we go at it. Yeah, yeah. 
And so Al came in and said, this piece of garbage, we're going to go in here, we're going to straighten this thing out. And so we go in to the Ringsby's. Uh, Al, listen, we can solve this problem. Haywood won't be missing any gains if you just pay him what the contract is worth. He said, who the hell are you? He's got an attorney? And you are his attorney? I tell you what you do. You take your Jew ass out of here and take that nigga with you. <laughs> yeah, I knew they I knew they talked that trash. They talked that shit, man. Yeah. And so we left and we said, we're gonna get this, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pay him back. Right. So then we signed with Seattle and Sam Schumann said, I'm gonna play him. I'm not gonna wait. I'm gonna play him right now. And Al was like, we're taking this to the bank. We're going to war. And that's, that's my guy. And so uh, during the, the Supreme Court case, I moved in with Al. I knew that. Yeah, I moved into his home. His family. You yeah, his family. Yeah. And so but then Al and I, after we would like go through all of the case and what we were going to do, we'd go to the gym. And that's when me and him was like doing our bonding because it wasn't about law. It was about two dudes playing ball now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Al could shoot. Yeah. And I would like let him, sh you know, because I could block it, but I wasn't going to like just yeah. block everything. That's fine. And <laughs> because, you know, Al was a competition guy. Yeah. So we would we would compete and we would just sit down act like we was like kids in the playground. Man. So so uh, that went on for a while, that court case. Now, yeah, now I had to go through. to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Schumann, Schumann had to... He put $1.7 million up yeah, so on that legal case. Bankrolled. He bankrolled this yeah. whole thing to... Uh, and he said to me, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you, teach you about Jewish loyalty. Really? Yeah. And that was the whole process of like, I gave you my word, and I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold it, and I want you to hold to your word that you will always fight for me and this team. That's, that's he, he, I knew. I knew him pretty well. I. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I won't get into how we knew it, but but anyway. So so um, he he takes he takes you to all the way to court, all the way to Supreme Court. You you make a, a settlement. Mm -hmm. They don't. You don't wait for their decision for the Supreme Court, right? It's a settlement. Well, it was a settlement, but basically it was a win. No, no, definitely yeah. a win. Definitely mm -hmm. a win. And I. And then he had to pay. I heard he had to pay Denver like five hundred thousand dollars to get to get out of that. To get out of that old contract. Right. And then and he, he gave you a contract. For, he gave me a contract, a real contract. Right. A real. Al negotiated a contract for one point seven million dollars. And it was like I think two fifty per year. And you know, previously, two years before, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell was worried about the one dollar more. Exactly. Yeah. Hundred thousand and one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> different times. Yeah, different different times, different, yeah. different times. So anyway, so so okay, you go to Seattle and and um, when when did you have a falling out with Al? I think Al and I started partying when um, but first of all, Al wanted to not, he wanted to receive the checks. I wanted to 
get my own checks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so Al wanted to receive all of the checks. Yeah, we all And my family was like, you know, you can't just give up your checks like that. But we dragged on and we tried to make it work. And, and then uh, we started getting those Mercedes from uh, a guy that Al had. Uh, he had a dealership. And I was telling Al, man, you know, you got John Brisker, you got Spencer, you got all of us in, on the contract. You don't need to have a bigger car than we did. He got a big limo, Mercedes. <laughs> that was Al, you know. No question. It's Al. So uh, <laughs> he got the limo, Mercedes, and he liked it a little bit. <laughs> That's gosh. Yeah, we're 6'9", we're 6'8", six, six, Jim McDaniel's 6'11". Yeah, <laughs> but it was happiness. Oh, and man. then... Uh, and then, you know, my people, Will Robinson was like, I got this company, I want you to go with Ed Bell, who was a judge, Bell, Bell Brown, and those people out of Detroit. Detroit. So I, I just, I, I hated to leave Al, I really did, because Al and I, we are personal friends. That's why, I mean, leaving the, his organization hurt him so bad because we had went through hell. Right. I mean, that case was a real right. tear he, on both of us. And he had assembled a, a dream team yeah, of dream lawyers. Team, lawyers, everybody. No he had everything in place. Right. And that was one of my other regrets, you know, that I left with LFL because again, here I am with the Lakers and I'm having my problems. Could have used me And right I'm looking there. at Al because Al was the guy that could have said, Spencer, I'm taking you home. Yeah. And you can't, you can't, you can't fuck up like this. Yeah, so a, I was always looking at him on the no, side. No, I understand. It. It's a shame. We've talked about it over, yeah. over time about getting that relationship back together. I know yeah. he was, he was really hurt yeah. when you went in the Hall of Fame and you didn't thank him. Well, I invited Al. Yes. I sure did. Yes, I invited I Al, and I had it all in the speech, and I was like, well, Al, in, but he called Jerry Colangelo, and he talked to Jerry and them, so they were like all upset. Everybody was upset about mm -hmm. that Al, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, but this is the guy, because I had it all planned out. I had the speech. I had everything. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I got the receipts. Really? I got the text. I got the receipts to Al saying, "Al, get ready." The family. Why didn't he? Them. Why didn't he come? I forget why. Well, because I guess the, you know, like um, the hall was a little upset that he was being a little. Yeah. You know, you're speaking out. Tough, tough to deal yeah, with. Yeah. So, uh, and I said, "Well, you know, I don't want to bring no more pressure on me because I've been passed up for three times." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, so I'm you're like, ready to. Yeah. I'm ready to go in. It's calm. Yeah. I want to keep it calm, but I sure was, I sure was hurt when I, when I did my speech, and I, and there was no L, because I had this big plan, That's and I shame. talked to L. I said, "L, you come in front and row. You're gonna be sitting right in the front row, because really? you are the man." And Dawn, I said, I want you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I talked to him both beforehand. So I didn't know any of that. Yeah, I knew you. I knew he'd invited him, but I didn't know what why he didn't come. But now I'm going to cut to the chase. So yeah. in the last how many months, you you your relationship has been 
redeemed, hasn't it? Well, I mean, he is doing a, a book yes. about you know his life and the case and everything. And then you know, I felt bad when you when you Google up the case, you see Spencer Haywood, Sam Schulman, but no Al Ross. Mm. So that's where my problem came in. So mm -hmm. I said, Al, I want to talk in your book. You can do what you say, what you feel about me, but I want to be there to explain to the audience that's going to read this book what a great man you are and what your family mean to me. Yeah, that's great. And that's what I did. That's great. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really yeah. glad to hear that. It was good. It was a good, it was good. Therapy for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure for but him. I did. For him too. I did say, when I was going through that problem in L.A., why didn't you call on me? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the kind of that's Do you kind think of he knew? Yeah, he knew. Yeah. I, was, I was terrible. You were just out there. Yeah. And I was always looking at him at the sideline and, you know, guys were, and Magic would throw it in, you know, Michigan State. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he ain't saying nothing to me. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> Arrogance, you know. No, I, yeah. I, you know, I've been there. You know what I'm saying, I've man. Been there, yeah, yeah, I've been there. This is real conversation we're having. So, so, Spencer, when you were in New York mm -hmm. and, you know, you came in and, you know, I'm not going to get into that whole savior bit and all that Wasn't stuff. Wasn't that crazy? It was crazy because, you because know. Because I, I said. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> no, they can't. You guys said to me. What are you here to do? I said, I'm here to save the Knicks. Right. I'm the savior. Yeah, yeah. And so Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe, and all of them, Phil Jackson, like, we got championships. You don't have nothing. Right. I blew it. Yeah, yeah whatever. But they did bring you in as a savior because yeah, the team was falling apart. Yeah, they, was old, old. they were already ready to, to trade anybody. They would have traded anybody for Kareem. Right. Anybody on the team that Milwaukee right. didn't want. Didn't, right. Didn't want them. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so it also bothered me, you know, Phil Jackson, okay, he's coming to you and saying, hey, you know, we won championships. So, well, you know what, Phil, you really weren't a big part of that. <laughs> you know, really, I know, but, and one of them, but you, we was roommates. But you were? <laughs> me, him, and, and we would rotate, uh, right. Bill Bradley and okay, Phil Jackson. Did he, share any, did he share any smoke with you? Yes, of course. Yeah. So my first, my first <laughs> joint that I ever had in my life, I'm on a cab ride to LaGuardia with him. Yeah. You know, for going to the Knicks are taking the plane out, and and he hands me a joint. Yeah. And I, I go, what's this? <laughs> he says, well, you know, take a take a pop. I gave my first joint. So anyway, so yeah, well, <laughs> But my my point is, so so you're there. You have you know you're having good years, but you're not you know they're not no, winning. Not. They're not yeah, winning. They're not and winning. So, and so you were the guy we were gonna point finger. We're gonna point the and, finger. And I and I had heard you were you know you were smoking and whatever. I thought it was yeah. more truthfully. I thought it was more, but yeah. But I mean, I was not uh, I was not the coke guy yet, but because not at all. I mean, I, I told you earlier. I said yeah. I, I, I dabbled, but I wasn't dabbled. like okay. it wasn't like me. It was because I was in the fashion world and the whole other side yeah. of my life. But uh, Phil and I. And Neil Walk, we would buy weed together. Neil Walk, my man. <laughs> <laughs> so we would buy a stash, you know? We was the guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I, I kind of heard, the, Neil and I were pretty tight. Okay. Up, well, until, he, up until he died. Yeah. I was seeing him in yeah. Phoenix, taking seen him out. Him in Phoenix, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, so anyway, they, they trade you. And, and I'm That's just right. saying, 
I'm just saying to myself, wait, you know, we talked about it before. They traded you for Eugene Short and, um, no, wait a minute. In the first no, round. No, 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 no. That, 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 we're, going, we're going to Seattle. Yeah, no, the way they... Seattle traded me to the Knicks. Okay, right. And so they... Let's stop there. So okay. Seattle traded you to the Knicks for Eugene Short and a number one pick. pick yeah. And I'm trying to say, you had a pretty damn good career I going... I was like yeah. <laughs> all pro. In, in Seattle, yeah. why would they trade you for so little? Eugene Short was a bust. Well, he I know, wasn't Purvis short. He wasn't his brother. I know, but what happened was the town because I had sided with John Brisker, ABA, and I thought he should be, you know, and it was part of L's team and yes. all of our team. Yep. So I thought he should be playing more. So Russ was in favor of doing more and we was trying to work this out with John and then uh, other guys on the team says well you know we can get Spencer out of here and I won't say who the guys were but Why not? they had you now because it hurt their feelings it, it, but if they wanted it, I know I know but I'm not I'm, like I'm gonna have to think about that so no, no, you have to think on that one I ain't gonna tell you no no so talking about you're talking about Seattle people Seattle so, my Seattle well, why teammates why would they want to get rid of you I mean my Seattle teammates because I had gotten so big in terms of publicity and everything and they had infiltrated Russell because I hurt my shoulder in the playoffs when we were playing against Golden State we had made it through the Pistons, and then I hurt my shoulder. In the second round. In the second round, I, I I hurt the shoulder. I couldn't go, and so, I mean, my teammates really really did a number well, on. Well, they're me. the first ones. To, I've always found that out. The mm -hmm. teammates are the first one, or the second one. The coach is usually the first one to turn on you. Then the then the team. Well, Russ didn't turn on me. Okay, but you know my. But let me tell you what happened. Go on. So, so, <laughs> I go into the office. And now you got to remember that I had went through the Supreme Court. Seattle loved me. My family was moved. I had moved my Great brothers city. and sisters. All my family city. is up there. So I go in and Russ is saying, I got an offer for a trade for you. And I was like so hurt that my teammates had betrayed me because I protect the guys on that team. And Russ was like, I don't want to do it. But I was like angry at him for even bringing it to the table. So yeah, I said, yeah, why would you, well, fuck yeah. yeah. You, you could have said no before you told me. Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't tell me. But he was telling me the trade beforehand. I'm and saying that, but he could have he, he no. said no about the trade. Not no. told you anything. I know. <laughs> but then my feelings were hurt that with him because we had a father-son relationship. Because I had gave up my position as a forward. I was... I was the best forward in the league, and then right. I went to a center. And he wanted to make you into a center. And yeah. I always heard, I always said, like, you know, what six eight? What man. was that about? I know it because I was, I could do things that he did, become a shot blocker, become a rebounder, and that would advance our team because Jim McDaniel's didn't work out. Right. So they, he said, well, you know, you got to be the guy to carry this if we're going to make it. Mm -hmm. So that was the whole conversation. But when he, when he, when he put it on the table, I was like so outdone by it all. I was like, I, get me out of here! I can't be around these guys. I don't want to be around you." And my feelings were outwardly not good, mm -hmm. and so that's why I ended up in New York. All right, but again, 
They gave you up for nothing. For nothing, I know. Gave up the best forward turn center, made the playoffs. Yes. You had the stats. Yeah. I, I still don't get it. So I'm, I'm always thinking because did they know something? Did they know something no. about it? No. You come to New York. Mm -hmm. They don't make the playoffs. They, they again. I I always thought they knew something. No, oh, but no, I'm just saying. Just I always thought. Bullshit. I always thought because they traded you for Josie Merriweather. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he's fine, he's decent, but come on, <laughs> for the savior? What the hell? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I never understood that. Is there anything? Yeah. Else? Well, that and and also the contract that the Knicks put on the table for me, and. Uh, and um, what? Larry Fleischer was working that whole process. They wanted me in New York really bad, so. But I didn't. Well, what want about to go leaving New York? Huh? Leaving you? New York, I was like really hurt because I was leaving my family. You know, that was my anchor because I didn't know players in New York like I had in Seattle. We in Seattle, we hung out like this group or everything. Mm -hmm. But in New York, everybody was like. Bill Bradley was writing his memoir. Right, they all went different Phil, ways. Yeah, everybody was different ways. So no I was question. like a, a lost child until Iman got into my life. And then I was like, had my whole family because I had her family. The Somalians was living with us as well. Her sisters and her brother lived with us as, too, as well. So that was a breakup again. Right, but she she came with you. You you went to you went to New Orleans and mm -hmm. they and they well, we we commuted back and forth with each other from there, but then I... Then I, they moved to Utah. Then they moved to Utah, and I didn't report. And so I, I forced the trade. I said, I said, that because she wanted to work in L.A., she could keep modeling, she could keep acting and doing her work. I so I wanted to get to L.A., and so I didn't report. And I remember for years, Adrian Dantley, like hated me for that. Because, because he was traded to you. He was traded to, right. to, to, to Utah. Utah. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> here we are in, in Utah. Utah. But yeah. but at least at least in my in my Yeah, well it's a balanced trade there. Yeah, at least it was finally was a balance there. Like I don't Yeah. But then But I was uh, I was kind of um you know, I was after New York I became moody a moody player, you know, mm -hmm. and a guy that would sit and read books on the back of the bus and not participate with my guys. So I was not, you know, I was hurt by basketball for a while. And is that is that the reason you turned to drugs or is... No, I, I turned to drugs because I was, I, maybe it was, I don't know, but... I was giving you an out. No, no, it ain't no out. <laughs> <laughs> I made that choice. Yeah, you know? it yeah, was yeah. a bad, bad choice. So I lived with that throughout my life, and and it's one of my regrets. But it, it's in my past. If I didn't have the drugs, I wouldn't be here as the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. So, whatever happened, I had to go through these journeys to be where I am now. I had to fall to grow. Mm -hmm. To grow up because I I'm, I'm the youngest player to ever play in the NBA, so I never grew up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you know I, I'm wondering you know if uh, it's been written before it's been talked about before about 
about you falling asleep during practice and mm -hmm. all that stuff. I did. Yeah, no, it's been written. We we know that. Mm -hmm. And then and then the Westhead, Paul Westhead, you know, kicking you off the team, mm -hmm. and, all that. and then them not voting you a playoff share mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Have you gotten past all that? Oh God, yes. I had to get past that. And one of the things that happened um, before I got to practice that day, I had fallen asleep at the wheels. Oh, in my car. Didn't know that. I fell asleep at the wheel of the car, and I woke up, and they were just blowing the horn. Get up, let's go. And I was like, oh, boy. So I drove to practice, and mm -hmm. I get to practice, and then we were doing stretching, which right. I brought to the team. I'm like, we got to stretch. We got to do all these things. And then all of a sudden, I fall asleep. Jamal is over there hitting me, wake up, wake up. So I'm like, well, you know, and I fell asleep at practice. Because I had been out, and I just ran from yeah, I, partying, quaaludes in my body because I was trying to get the cocaine down, and so that was that. Vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. Um, vicious. I mean, that's that, you know, the, the hamster. <laughs> the hamster. The hamster, that's her. good. Yeah. Uh, did you ever talk to Paul Westhead about... Yeah, Paul Westhead, when I... First seek sobriety, I came in my fourth step, and you have to make amends in the 12th step. So I came to Westhead years ago, years ago. Right. I made amends with him, and uh, Kareem invited me out, and I made amends with him, uh, because I, I, I felt I just betrayed that team so badly, because they put so much into me, and the, the guys, you know, and I, I said some bad things because I didn't get a full share, playoff share. Did you get anything? I got like a third. But then they were looking out because they knew that if I had got a playoff share, there was more drugs to, to buy. Ah. So if that's what they say, I said, hey, I mean, right. you saved my life because I was falling asleep at the wheel. Right. I was doing all these things. My my life was in peril. I, I, I But then I went to Italy, man. And? And those Italian people loved me so much, and they loved all of the anger and fear and hate out of me. And I, I mean, that put me on the right right track. But you were still doing drugs. No, right? I wasn't. Oh, doing you weren't. Drugs. So I read somewhere that you really didn't stop doing drugs till after you left the Washington team. No, I didn't. I, I mean, I had one fall in Washington. One relapse in Washington. Relapse in Washington, when my wife had an automobile accident, Iman was in his automobile accident, is when I relapsed. Mm. And then I came home, I, I quit. I said, I, I can't live this life anymore. I can't play ball and do drugs anymore. So I need the help. And that's when I started seeking help. And then I realized I couldn't stay in New York and be sober. So that's when Iman and I made a decision that I can go to New go to live in Detroit and enjoy my family in Detroit. And she would let me raise my daughter with me. Really? So that's when I took my I took my daughter with me to Detroit really? and I raised Zuleika with my but the, wife. But the marriage family. was over. The marriage was over, but we were, we've always was, been friends. Sorry to hear that it was over. I was sorry to hear that because yeah. I enjoyed watching you. Yeah. We were, we were a fun couple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it was special. So that's that's my life. And, that's it. And if you if you were 
a voter on the mm -hmm. Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. would you have voted for you knowing everything? And I, I understand Jerry Colangelo's rules, mm -hmm. which I don't agree with, but would you have voted for a player who, who put out a hit on his coach? Or well, I didn't put a hit out. That was, that was at that time, it was bullshit because uh -huh. I had a book and Wilt Chamberlain had said he had 500,000. And, and he made a mistake. He made you, a mistake. Yeah, he told I made the same mistake. Ah. That's all that shit was. Okay. Because I was with my publishers with Amistad and everybody was like, you got to have a buzz. You got to have a... So I went for a buzz. And exactly. I, I, never felt, yeah. I never felt good about that. And it always came back to betray me, you know? Because that's not me. Absolutely. That's not who I am. They were so wrong for steering you in that direction. I know. But, you know, back at that period, Wilt Chamberlain had to say he slept with 500 or 5,000 women. I don't and it didn't anymore. make sense. No, 20,000. 20,000. 20, so yeah. we were all, you know, like trying to get recognition. It would have been 20,001, but I beat him out for a girl in Memphis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I would have voted for me because I, I've, I've contributed to the game so much, but that was a false. And Jerry and everybody know that I was, I'm not, that's not my character. Okay, but you know, it's still out there though. So everything I read, there's always something there. Like, I know, but that's part of life and that's yeah, part of my, that. that's part of my journey. Yeah. Well, I hate Wikipedia, you know, like stuff. I hate it too, but what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. It I'll is. try to straighten it. Maybe this will help. Yeah. Maybe this will help. I'm glad to hear you, you know, respond to that. Yeah. Well, Spencer, it's it's really really been a pleasure. Uh, you know, it's like it's been a long time. We we've been a, we've been having we've been having this conversation. For what? Fifty years. <laughs> but we never had it. No. When we, we had it we today. We were around it. We were. We had we have this conversation today. Thank you for listening to Hoop Du Jour with me, Peter Vesey presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. You can listen to all Hoop Du Jour interviews by searching Legends Studios, wherever you get your podcasts.